I didn't really think about that until my stepfather passed in 1998 and we were really close. And that's when I really needed to know. It's the first time I had lost anyone close to me in my family. That's why I really need to know what happens when we die. I knew that he wasn't just, I needed to know that he didn't just disappear, that type Mm -hmm. of thing, or he was in heaven or hell or, you know, or in purgatory. Welcome everyone to another episode of A Little In Flight, where the vibes are high, the topics are fresh, and yes, we sometimes toss the rule book right out the window. Today are diving deep with an utterly captivating guest. Her journey takes us beyond the veil. I like that. Sounds like a Game of Thrones term. Through the profound near-death experiences. Yes, that's right. NDEs we're breaking into this time. And I also am going to dive into the realm where intuition and her spiritual insights meld seamlessly with our everyday lives. Ladies and gentlemen, strap in because the mesmerizing Sharon Sananda Kumara. I need three cool names like that. How come I don't have three cool names? I just Devo. It's about to grace our airwaves. So anyhow, let's bring her on the show. Sharon is going to get a little impolite with us. And we're going to learn all the things that she's doing on this fantastic universal trip she's on right now. Welcome to A Little Impolite, the podcast that's unafraid to dive into unconventional thoughts and ideas. I'm your host, Devo, inviting you to embark on a journey into thought-provoking discussions, expansive revelations, and the stories of inspiring individuals. We're here to challenge norms, provoke intellectual curiosity, and engage in candid conversations about society, culture, and the human condition, all with a slight touch of polite impropriety. From experts questioning the status quo to creatives daring to think differently, you'll hear a spectrum of voices that aim to shake us out of our comfort zones. So are you ready for this enlightening journey where the expected meets the unexpected and polite society meets a dash of rebellion? Buckle up, stay curious, and let's get a little impolite. Shut up and sit down. Hey, Sharon. Welcome to Little and Polite. Oh, hey, Devo. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you. What a, an amazing introduction. Wow. <laughs> so we were You're talking briefly. Kind. We were talking briefly in the uh, before we got on the show. I had reached out to you, I think it was about a year ago, and I don't really know. Maybe it was a different. Maybe you were dimensionally traveling, <laughs> I don't and your it. dimensional doppelganger didn't respond. But anyway, I got you here now, so I'm really excited mm-hmm. about it. I started getting exposed to NDEs. I'd never even heard the term before, but I was reading... A couple of books, and I forget the name of it, but they were talking about this sort of thing. And I was like, "This is fascinating. I need to learn more." So I started diving into the Instagrams and the world of the World Wide Webs, and I came across you. I believe I saw you on a podcast and your YouTube channel, or something on YouTube about you. And I was like, "I need to find out more." You were on somebody's show that I follow mm. recently. I was recently on that was dropped. Recent was the most recent one was Next Level Soul with Mm -hmm. Alex. It's exactly what it was. That's where I heard you. But before that, I heard you about a year ago. So anyway, I'm fascinated by your journey. Not only do you possess some unique gifts, which we're going to dive into, but you've also had a couple of profound life events, uh, most notably these these near-death experiences, which I'm just honestly just inexplicably fascinated by. So I want to learn a little bit more about that. So I'm just going to sort of dive in. I've got some questions I want to ask, but just I'd like to learn more about you. What was the first time you ever had any sort of Forgive my semantics, out-of-body experiences, psychic experiences. What? How old were you when all that first came into your in your knowing, if you will? 
Sure. I was a kid when these things started happening or I was, I like to say I was seeing dead people type of thing. And it, it scared me. I mean, it wasn't all the time, but it was enough to make me feel like, okay, this is kind of strange, especially when my grandfather died. My sister and I lived with our grandparents because our parents were divorced. And I was, I was about eight or nine years old, 10 years old, something like that. And um, we lived there a few years. And the big one was when my grandfather died. And I saw him floating outside the window, looking in the window at us as uh, my sister and I were in bed. And I was wide awake. And it really scared me. But I, but I do remember also seeing spirits around me in my room. And, um, and that goes into another rabbit hole of extraterrestrials and things like that. So all these memories, actually, well, I remember the one with my grandfather, but a lot of memories started coming back to me after my NDE in 2001. And being raised in a Catholic, with a Catholic background, this wasn't something that I could talk to anyone about, especially my grandmother, because she was pretty strict Catholic. And my parents weren't good Catholics. I didn't grow up being a good Catholic. So I just kind of shoved those, those things down. I also was having premonitions and things like that, like in my dreams or during my day as a, as a child. And how old are you at this point? I'm sorry. How old am I now? No, no. When you were first starting to oh. experience those. <laughs> okay. We're yeah, really getting in polite on this. Yeah, we just right. went straight into it, didn't we? <laughs> Somebody told me the other day you should never share your age with anybody. Is that true? Well, it doesn't matter to me. I'm fine with huh. it. I'm just, you know, very grateful I live this long. So <laughs> I don't care about so, that. So how old were you when you first had this psychic experience and you started noticing something different about yourself in that space? Yeah. So it was probably around eight or nine years old. And I, wow. um, I would like to say I don't remember a lot of my childhood, most of my childhood. But I do remember a few of those things because they stood out. And, um, but my memory started coming after my NDE. So eight or nine, you have an experience and then, I mean, transformative through the rest of your life, or was it just sort of like this ambiguity that you constantly questioned? Or was it, was it just sort of hovering over you or did you start to develop this? You said you couldn't really talk to anybody about it. No, I didn't. Uh, I didn't want it to happen any longer. So as, as I grew up, I was, um, well, I remember that I was dealing with physical abuse. I remember that later after my NDE. And so Wait, was, dealing, I'm sorry, I need to stop there. So dealing with physical abuse in your current life or a past life or my what? current life, my current oh, wow. life. Yeah. It was, it was an ongoing thing. And so I, I mean, it's, it's like, I remembered all these things afterwards and then it made sense why I took the journey I did in my life. Okay. It, it was, so I didn't remember I had shoved down a lot of my memories as a child okay, because they were traumatic. And so I ended up becoming um, kind of normal working in the corporate world. And, but I was a partier. I did that type of thing. I didn't have any interest in diving in deep in spirituality. I believed there was a God, there was some kind of higher power that had probably protected me along my life because I should have died many times in my life. And so I did have two near-death experiences by the way, and one when I was nine. And so I didn't really think about that until my stepfather passed in 1998 and we were really close. And that's when I really needed to know. It's the first time I had lost anyone close to me. 
in my family. That's why I really need to know what happens when we die. I knew that he wasn't just, I need to know that he didn't just disappear, that type mm -hmm. of thing, or he was in heaven or hell or, you know, or in purgatory. Uh, you know, he had his stuff. And um, by the way, the family member, the, the abuse was not parent, it was extended family. And so, so I needed to know, and then I started reading about um, the afterlife and my sister recommended George Anderson's book, We Don't Die. And that really opened me up and I started having spontaneous out-of-body experiences. Uh, sleep paralysis, what we call sleep paralysis. And I didn't understand it at the time. And so things kind of happened from there. When you had this first NDE, you said you were nine years old. Was that a pivotal moment or was that one also mm -hmm. repressed? Like, I just don't want to deal with this right now. It was so, repressed. It was repressed. So, sorry, when, when my understanding of an NDE is something traumatic happens to you. So you're basically on the cusp of death. So yes. something happened to you physically? Yes. yes. Am I allowed to ask what, what that was? Oh, sure. I talk about it in my in my other um, interviews. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't dive deep into it because it's, you know, it's not something, but there's a lot to it that, uh, that I just don't talk a lot about. But anyway, because I'm, <laughs> I'm journaling everything, getting it in that, that format as I journal as I go, which is something uh, my guide told me to do. As I so like a cathartic exercise, this journaling is your cathartic exercise to sort of get this information out. Well, I'm writing a book. Well, and you're it, writing took a book. Me, it took 15 years for me to be able to even talk about this publicly. Mm -hmm. So I'm bringing all these memories together in a format to, that makes sense so that I can, it's actually for me. I realize as I'm writing it, it's mm -hmm. for me to be able to heal a lot of stuff sure. along the way. And so, hey, you know, if anyone wants to read it, I'm happy. I hope it helps people. And so, yeah, so I remembered after my 2001 near-death experience, all my memories started flooding through my childhood and one of them was when I was being attacked in in the um, grape orchard in the back of my grandparents' house, and I was nine. I remember that, and and I'm there in when these memories started flooding through. I'm I'm actually there in the body of my childhood self. I can feel the pain. I can smell the vomit. All these types of things. So all that stuff comes up that was repressed, and any he, uh, he's beating me. And at one point, uh, he hits me so hard that I pop out of my head and I am in this space that I've heard others call the void because it's dark, but I feel this immense peace. And when I remember this NDE, because it was after I remembered it, <laughs> time is, you know, an illusion. So I remembered it after my NDE in 2001. I thought, gosh, this is so strange. I didn't really talk about it because I was in a dark space. I never, you know, we hear about the light and everything, which is, um, there were two different NDEs. So I need to stop you for a second. So sure. in 2001, when you had your near death, that's what opened up the portal for you to remember the one that happened to you when you were nine? Yes. Wow. So when the one happened to you at nine, it was sort of like just completely... I guess repressed is the only word I can come up with. It was it just, repressed. It just, did, it just didn't happen in, in, in your psyche, so to speak. Right. Wow. Yes. I had inclinations about things, 
you know, as I was um, during my adult years and, uh, but I didn't, couldn't put my finger on anything. Wow. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. So back to 2000. So back to the 2001. So what happened to you in 2001 where you had something physically alter your trajectory of life? Okay. In 2001, I I was living in San Antonio. And when I was nine, I was home here in Oregon. uh, And I lived in San, I was living in San Antonio, Texas. And some girlfriends and I went intertubing down the Guadalupe River. Mm, I've been on that river. Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's fun. Yeah, I've done that many, many times. And when we, you know, the outrigger drives you to uh, to a different, to a spot in the river where, where you put in, and then they pick you up in another spot and drive you to, to your cars back at, back to the outrigger's property. Mm-hmm. And so we had gone uh, tubing down the river. We had a great day. There was five of us, five uh, girlfriends. And we get, I, I go to get back on the bus, the shuttle bus, which is the old school bus, one of those little small old school buses. So if you've been there, you, I'm sure you've seen one, mm-hmm. seen them. And I climb the steps to get on. I'm the first one of our group, and the, it, the bus is full. And something tells me maybe I should turn around and get off. So I turn around, but there's a big group behind us. You know, come on, get on, get on. Everybody <laughs> is, you know, is wanting to get back to their cars and go home for the day or whatever. So I get on there, and the people in the bus are saying, "Come on, you can stand in the aisle." So I did. And my group piles on behind me. And, and so I'm the one uh, against the back door. I don't have my back against the door, but I'm standing there holding onto the seats as he's changing gears and driving down the road because it's a, a manual gear. Mm-hmm. And at one point he pulls away from a stoplight and he's in second gear, moving into second gear or third or out of second into third or somewhere around there. I used to drive standard cars. And the bus is jerking and I'm I jerk thrown up, excuse me, I'm thrown up against the back door and the back door pops open. Oh, uh, with the emergency exit. The emergency exit door pops mm. open and I fall out of the back uh the emergency exit door. How fast how fast are you moving at this point? About twenty five. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thirty at the most, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. He was still going down the road. He didn't know. Uh, and so I fall out and I hit my back on the trailer hitch. I bounce off that. I remember each bounce. I bounce off that, bounce onto the pavement. And I bounce under under the trailer because he's also, also pulling a trailer that has all our ice chests and mm-hmm. our... Um, the tubes. Tubes, yeah. And so I, I bounce onto the pavement again. It's about 100 degrees out. So I, <laughs> I have lots of road rash. And... I'm yelling in my head at that point, stop, you're killing me. And as soon as I yelled that, the trailer ran over my neck and my head, one of the wheels of the trailer. And at that point, I popped out of my body through my head. I remember popping out through my head. And, I, um, and I'm there floating above the scene which is very different and i'm floating above the scene and i see i see my body there in the in the, on the floor <laughs> on the on the pavement and i remember and i'm thinking one of my first thoughts was oh my gosh i just died and here my friends and i had a really good day 
this is going to ruin their day because I just died on them. I was thinking I just died on them. And the, the day is going to be basically ruined for my friends. And I'm thinking that because I knew I had died. I just knew it. It was, it wasn't, I didn't feel attached to my body at all. I didn't feel like I wanted to get back. I just felt like, okay, well, I've done this many times. This is, it's, you know, it's my exit point type of thing. And then I also saw a commuter bus driving towards where I was laying in the road because the driver and the trailer were still, were still moving away from me. And I thought, oh gosh, I hope that bus is able to stop before it runs over my body because that would really make a mess. <laughs> so you're visually in an ethereal state sort of seeing this and having these thoughts. Mm-hmm. Do they happen in do they happen in real time or are they is there a they're they're kind of all at once. It's just like a knowing. Yeah, it's hard to to describe. It's um because our thoughts are we're used to getting them, like you said, in linear. And it was just all these thoughts at once. And then I get kind of bored and I feel it actually I feel a presence behind me next to me. Or I'm thinking wait, I take that back. As I all at the same time, I'm thinking about my boyfriend at the time. I think, oh, this is um this will upset him, but he'll be fine. I have this sense and this knowing that he's and I pretty much see that he will he'll be fine after his grief, right? I love how you're thinking about everyone else but yourself during this moment. You're wondering about your friends, your boyfriend at the time, like the the empathy you're having for everyone else at the moment, the fact that you're dead on the on the road somewhere. It's kind yeah. of fascinating. And I think most people do. Yeah. You know, because when once you a lot, you know, a lot of us when we're near death experiences, I've heard anyway. Sometimes people will say, "Oh, hey, okay, well, I'm <laughs> I'm here again. I'm back again." Because we all have done it many times. I've you know know that now. And then I think about my boyfriend, and I see that he'll be fine. Then I think about my sister, who we're really close. I'm really close with, and she had a fam- she was living in Seattle, and she has a family that she's raising and. And um, everything like that, and I and I have the sense of knowing that she will be very very upset, but she'll she has her family. And then I think about my mom because I was really close to my mom, and I kind of took care care of her. And at that same time, I feel this presence, and I turn around, and it's my stepdad, and he was married to my mom, the one you were really close with. Yeah, yeah. It was really good to see him. He looked really good. And he always wears these horn rim glasses. And um, that we called him horn rim back then. This is in 98. So I used to make fun of them. It was before they were cool, right? Because, you know, because I have a male. So he wears those glasses. I say, Dad, wow, you look such, like such a dork with those. Can you just put some horn rim glasses on? But <laughs> I guess he, he had a fashion sense I didn't know about. And so he was. He wears these when he shows up in my out of bodies, and he was wearing those. That, that tells me that's him, type of thing. So he looked really good because uh, he was sick. I have to. I have to ask. So sorry. Do you mind if I interject with questions? It's uh, like, not at all. So when your stepfather reappears to you, it, 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 what is what does that even look like? What is that? Just a knowing? That's a presence. You you have a physical element about it. What does that look and feel like? He looks physical. He looks very physical. He looks younger and yeah, it just looks better. He looks, but he is, a, and we're kind of, and even though we're standing, 
I don't see anything that we're standing on. Okay. But we're facing each other. And I, and he's projecting this to me, which I know now where he's projecting how he looks to me. And that's so I'm able to see him that way and vice versa. So I'm, envi- I still- I'm, envi- I'm envisioning the scene from Star Wars, which I'm sure you've heard this before, but I'm envisioning when Obi-Wan and, J- and uh, Yoda, what's the little guy, Yoda, is that his name? Yoda. Were just, mm-hmm. Yeah, they were just sort of standing there in like a spiritual, ethereal kind of cloud. Yeah. Does, is that what it feels like to you? Is that, is that a good way to describe it? I, yeah, I guess so. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, the, I don't remember seeing any clouds or anything like that. But it's just it's just a presence. We're just there with each other, and I'm focused on him, and he's focused on me. So there isn't a sense of anything around us, if that makes any sense. I don't. It does. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense when you say it, but I'm only I'm only hearing what you're saying and just sort of contextually right. trying to comprehend it. But I obviously yeah. don't have the same impact it has on you. So anyhow, so your your stepfather is there with you now, and you're you're aware of that. So continue on. Sure. And he tells me that it's not my time. And he's, and this is telepathic. He's talking to me. We're communicating telepathic. And I tell him, but I want to stay. And around that time, and he's, and he's communicating to me about mom. And um, it's not in words, but I tell him I still want to stay. <laughs> and so around that time, I feel another movement uh, or presence to, to my right. And I turn and there's a a tunnel opening up, some kind of a portal or a tunnel. And as I watch this and and my father is, my stepfather, my stepdad, my dad is standing, he approaches me and we're standing there together. And and the portal opens up and I'm able to see my ancestors within this this tunnel or this, this tunnel portal. Some I recognize, some I don't, but I know that they are my ancestors, but I don't recognize them as someone I would see, I would recognize here, or that I spent my life with here, if that makes sense. Again, just a knowing, if you will. A soul group, yeah. Mm -hmm. And their soul group, I guess, is what we would call them. And they're not really welcoming me home. I I recall that (laughs) I was saying, Dean, why aren't you welcoming me home? Because I, I was starting to remember and getting these senses of, okay, what happens when we return from the, you know, from a, a earth life or from another life and go home. And I was wondering and thinking, why aren't you welcoming me because they, me home, because they weren't doing that. They ha- kind of had a look on their face, like, like what dad was saying, it's not your time. It's kind of a a face a look like that. So I was getting that sense. And within that same time, it's all happening very quickly. I see another portal open up beyond that one. And it's, it's a golden white, golden color, like the sun. It looks like a sun and it's opening up. And this portal is more of a blue, kind of a blue gray, I guess you could call it. It wasn't the same as that one. So I'm, take my focus up there and I put my focus on the, on the sun that I see opening up that portal. And I see a figure walk of the sun and he's walking toward me and I recognize him almost immediately. 
as who I recognize as Christ, as Jesus, as who I call Yeshua. Yeshua. And as soon as I recognize him, I, I, I fly to him because I knew in my heart and in my soul that I had missed him terribly because I was not connected consciously with that part of me, with that, uh, that part of who we are, who I am, the, you know, the, um, who I recognize as uh, Yeshua. So he's physical. We embrace. He's physical, meaning he projects himself as physical t- to me. So I have this physical embrace with him. And I, he tells me telepathically, it's not your time. And I say to him, but I want to stay. I want to stay with you. And I, and I feel when we're embracing, it's more than just a physical embrace. It feels physical, but it's more than that. It's, I felt at home with him. I felt like anything I had done or said or felt bad about or anything like that, that, you know, the, the guilt or whatever was gone. There is nothing that I could have done or said that would not have been forgiven, even though it didn't need to be forgiven, but it, it was just, it just washed away. He was like a bomb, a cooling bomb. It's hard, very hard to describe. And so I told him I wanted to stay with him. And, and I remember his chuckle. I remember his eyes. I remember his smile the most of anything. They just wash over me, just wash over me. And I know that the, uh, this, a lot of this is how my body was healed this time with him in the journey I took with him. What did Jesus look like to you? He had, and I get that question. Is, is it anything similar to what our representation of him is and in, in what we see in pictures and art today? Yes, it was. So I have a question. I'm, I'm just curious. Do you think that the people that we see in this afterlife, and I, and I want to get back to your story, okay. but I think this is a pertinent question. Are the people that uh, that we see in our afterlife, aside from our family, but people like Yeshua or Jesus or yeah. anyone else for that matter, are those manifestations of our subconscious living context of someone that's a f- that has affinity to us that we see or are projecting we see because whomever that messenger was, whether it was Jesus or not, mm-hmm. knows within you like that's what she'll recognize and receive me as. So that's how I will appear to her. Does that make sense, that question? Or, it- Yeah, sorry. I'll let you answer that. No, yes, it does make sense to me. And I do feel that, but I also feel in my heart that he is a real person and has a real personality and did walk the planet. And so, and I feel, and I know in my heart and soul that I have a connection with him when he did walk the planet and have had a, how do I say it, um, lifetimes of connection with him as a personality, as a person. But yes, he carries... And he would appear to me as someone that I would recognize and know that I um, have worked for, with for a very, very long time and have a soul connection with. And yeah, I understand what you're saying. He carries, which we all do at some level that, and he says that, the God presence within us. So he was able to attain that when he walked the planet. Mm-hmm. And so that would be pure love. And he it's difficult to 
Yes, he he's carrying pure love, which is what I needed at that time. He carries that frequency, that energy. And so I needed it. I needed it to heal. I needed it to understand why um, this wasn't my time and things like that. So he knew, yes, that I would be the one that my soul called for him, perhaps, like he said, that I would be the one that would um, be able to convince him, convince me. <laughs> so fascinating. So sorry, back to my first question. That's great. What, what does he, what, and he, it, it's a male form it's a man and and what does he look like yeah i'm not saying that god is male i'm just saying that he appeared to me in male form i understand yes yeah in masculine form and uh very i mean i don't know what he looked like when he you know who knows what he looked like when Mm -hmm. he walked the planet the closest maybe we have is the shroud of turin maybe Mm -hmm. you know a mock-up of that Mm -hmm. which i have hanging on the wall so he looked similar to that. He had, you know, a narrow face, his eyes. It, what I mo- noticed the most about him were his eyes and his smile. I didn't really pay too much attention to his physical appearance because I recognized him already. But he was, you know, I would consider tall. He was maybe a couple feet taller than me and I'm 5'8". So he a couple was, feet taller than you? Oh, I'm sorry. But he was, he seemed like a foot, maybe a foot. Oh. But okay. yeah, like that. He was tall. He was huh. tall. Now, I don't know if he's depicting how he was in life. And I'm 5'8". So, you know, how are we, when we're in the spirit form, mm-hmm. are we still the same size we are here? Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. A couple feet would be seven feet. You're right. So no, not that. So, but he was maybe someone who was six three, six four, something like that. Mm-hmm. Six two somewhere around there. It's hard to judge that when you know when you're yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you're not worried about his physical dimensions. I'm like, I'm I'm dead and I'm now floating in an NDE. So let me. Ask, how tall are you, Jesus? <laughs> I know, right? But that's okay. It's like it's hard to you know when you're in that those realms. You don't think about that stuff. You don't. No. You don't think about time. You don't think about measurements and stuff. But anyway, so yeah, he was taller than me. And his uh, face was, it was light-skinned olive, light-skinned olive. I remember that. He was just smiling like crazy, just smiling. Your eyes, his eyes were smiling. People have asked me what color. And it's difficult for me. I remember them as shining blue, okay? Now, the reason, and I want to, you know, I, I hear a lot of people say, oh, well, when he walked the planet, he had brown, you know, he was, Middle Easter, so he had brown eyes. How could he have blue eyes? And I understand that. However, he's not showing himself in his body when he walked the planet. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. So it was light shining from his eyes, and they were what I call them as blue. It was they. I have blue eyes. I feel they were matching my eyes. If that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we were shining light into toward and through each other. As he was holding me, we merged in some way and somehow. We merged in, I merged in the light, merged in with him. The physicalness, physicalness of his body and mine melted away and I was merged within him. I don't know how long I was in that space of pure love and pure light and this is very hard to describe but 
if I could smile, I felt like my, my whole being was smiling. I was the light. It was tangible. I had become the light. And <laughs> I felt like my face was going to break. So I was still knowing I was, there was some part of me that was sharing, right? I felt like my face was going to break because I was smiling so wide. Everything, everything about me was smiling from pure bliss, being in that, that um, the light of our souls merging. I've often read that when people go over into this afterlife, if you will, that their senses sort of take on a new meaning to them. Were there any particular senses beyond your physical senses that you were also um, sort of feeling? You mentioned telepathy, but was there anything else like that you can describe on, on what that feels like to you? Well, my sixth sense definitely was heightened uh -huh. <laughs> where I could see beyond the veil. I also uh, was able to, I mean, I went through a quickening, a dark night of the soul. I went through um, Kundalini awakening, which I didn't even know what was happening afterwards. So there was a lot that was happening. I was blown wide open, basically. And these and all it, happened instantaneously. It's not like. It's not like there's a. It's not like there's a process to it. You just suddenly it. It is what it is. When I'm there. No, there, no, but... no. This Kundalini and these experiences that you had. This, this. You said you were broken wide open. All these different things. Do those. Do those. Does time stand still in the sense of how we understand it here on Earth? And then when you're in that time and space, whatever that is, that ether, does it happen based upon a time, or is it just it just is? Well, the Kundalini awakening and the quickening during the soul happened over time because my higher self and Yeshua and, you know, my peeps knew how much I could take. So the memory of my experience as unfolded over time, it took me a while because I was so battered my body was so battered and i needed to be able to heal they knew my higher self knew that i couldn't handle remembering everything that happened because of my trauma also as a child because all of that was coming to the surface so that happened over time wait and, i think i'm slightly yeah. confused so okay i guess my my question was pertaining to you're still in the ether and i'm just going to call it the ether because that's the best way i can understand it sure so sure. you're you're in the non-physical form right now the ether and you've met Jesus and Jesus is in front of you and he's formed a union with you. But the things that happened, this Kundalini and this breaking wide open, these also happened in the ether. Is that what you're saying? No, I, I don't know. All I know is my memory of them happened here. Okay. I, I'm assuming that they did. I, I do feel that all of this that I went through on the earth plane did happen while I was there. And I just, it, and it was brought down into, that's a good point. And it was brought down into the um, lower dimension, the slower yeah. dimension yeah. here, right? Yeah. And what, so that I could, I could process it while I was here. Understood. But it, it um, yeah, and that's a good point. And, and I actually write something like that in my book about that because people ask me, did you have your life review? And I'm like, well, I don't, didn't recall it like I recall all this however i believe that it did happen but the memory of it is just slowly came to my you know the, the forefront of my memory while i was in the physical realm and that's why i was able to remember my childhood i was remembering past lives 
and all the way back to galactic wars and things like that in Atlantis. That's wild. I hope we have time to get to some of that stuff. So Jesus is in front of you and he tells you it's not your time. Your people, your soul tribe is there. They tell you it's not your time. So what happens next? Okay. So I'm kind of arguing with him. <laughs> but we ended up, we ended up uh, being in that space of communication again. And, uh, and I'm arguing saying, I don't want to go back. I want to sit here with you and all that. And, uh, and he's, he's chuckling and laughing. He knows me. He knows, he knows all of us. And he says, well, do you want to go on a journey with me? And I said, yes, of course. And he puts out his hand and I take his hand. And this is, was one thing that I remember so clear, so clear about the physicalness of him is when I take his hand and feel the, his hand without a covering or anything, I feel every line and crevice in his hand is amazing how much it's so intense just having my hand in his that feeling of his hand in mine in mine and his and i remember thinking being here in this physical realm is like wearing a glove you know wearing a glove over our senses because it's it's so intense so i take his hand and as soon as i take his hand it, all at the same time this is happening at the same time we're flying through the cosmos and I say, or the cosmos is flying through through us. It's you know, the more I learn about how the universe works, the holographic universe and things like that, the more I think, you know, what what's really going on? Anyway, so we're moving, and I see stars and planets and just zipping by, and it's another blissful type of feeling. And then off in the distance, we come closer and closer to a light, and it's another portal. And we move through that portal and I see a planet when we, as we, after we coming out of the portal, I see a planet and we move closer to the planet and I see that it's a water planet. It's beautiful. It's just this gorgeous turquoise water planet, this orb there in the, um, in the cosmos and we're hovering above the planet, and I I have this remembrance, I guess you could say, of being the planet. My body is the planet. I merge with the planet. I am the I have this. I am the consciousness of the planet, and I feel a feminine, a, a mother energy of this water planet. And I have so much love for every every single amoeba, being, whatever it is on this planet, on my body, because I, I'm the body of the planet. And I have so much love for everything and everyone on my planet, on my body. And as I'm feeling that, that love and that um, knowing of being the planet, I move, I realize that I can move my consciousness back and forth to each of any of the beings on the planet to anything that um, has, you know, anything that has life or doesn't, anything. I can move, well, everything is consciousness, but I can move my consciousness back and forth from something 
small, tiny, tiny, tiny to a cell back to being the body of the planet. And he's showing me this. He's helping me remember that. So you're physically aware that there's life on this planet? Yes, I know. it. I recognize the planet. We're spiritually aware. You're not physical at this point. You're spiritually aware that there's life on this planet. It's a knowing. Like it's other a... sentient beings or just mm -hmm. a life in of itself? I recognize this planet as a home, another home for me where I've wow. been before or, or am. <laughs> if you think about parallel lives yeah, and, yeah. you know, have the parallel. Um... That's the Sharon I spoke to a year ago, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> or the one I tried to reach out to. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I don't remember that. Um... It's okay. I'm, jo I'm joking. <laughs> Oh, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's really bad about getting back to emails. Okay. She's busy being a planet. Of course she is. <laughs> if you're a planet, you don't only have time to respond to little impolite podcast hosts. And like, dude, you're, I got bigger and better things. <laughs> I get it. It's all good. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm leaving that awareness. I'm back to who I am, but I'm starting to remember who I, who, my life on this planet as we move down toward the planet. And we move down toward the planet and dive into the water. And Yeshua is no longer Yeshua. <laughs> He's no longer Jesus. He's someone that I recognize as my mate on this planet. And I re and I and I'm reunited with my family. I have children i'm an aquatic being basically i'm an aquatic being and i have children i have parents i have relationships with the um the marine life there um, i'm taken on a journey there and i and i don't know how long i stayed there but i'm still i believe that i know that i'm still there that i, I have another parallel life there yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I'm, he's communicating to me that I can go here anytime. Once I'm back on earth, I can go here anytime in my meditations, which I did quite a bit. I went there a lot and it got to be so emotional for me that I didn't want to come back from my meditations because I was doing really deep, deep meditations at the time and I didn't want to come back. And so they had to keep bringing me back. So I don't go there as often, but I know that. And he, what he communicated to me was that after my mission, job on earth, you know, we have these jobs here on earth. After that, then uh, that's finished. I can, I can have a lot of my soul awareness where I'm very aware of being a being on within that um, aquatic family. Does this aquatic planet have a name to you or is that not something that's given? <laughs> what I remembered afterwards and my mother brought it to me when I was communicating with her after she passed, she passed two years later in how I understood it was the word opus. So yeah, that's some AI. The, that's some AI software here back on this planet. Well, it wasn't then. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, I looked up Opus, and it actually is 
has the meaning of greatest work or in a musical comp composition, that type of thing. So it's not, it, it, it doesn't have anything to do with AI because this was something that was given to me back in 2003. Yeah, no, I was, I was just making a bad joke. Um, Opus is the name of some software that that's pretty, oh. becoming pretty popular today in podcasting worlds, actually. So anyhow, so are there... Of course, they would hack it, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> From your understanding of this, are there multiple versions of, of Sharon that are operating in there's planet earth, there's planet Opus, but there could be an infinite number of other places where you're also coexisting as just a different version of yourself. Is yes, that how it works? I believe. Yes. We all, my understanding and my experience throughout my experiences as well afterwards is yes. So when you leave this plane here on planet earth and your life is over in this physical shell. What do you believe happens to us? I believe everyone's different. I believe it, the more awareness you have here of the afterlife and how to how to die and how to leave this this life, the higher you will get, and the more choices you have, and the more you will know uh, how to traverse through the afterlife and make make choices and and not have to join the reincarnation cycle again. Is that a, so I've read, and I've heard that theory before, I, I've read that we have to continue the reincarnation cycle until, and this is just one theory of many, I'm sure, that until we've ascended past our learning, if you will, and I'm mm -hmm. using very rudimentary terms, but, you know, for example, the, the latest one I've that I've really sort of aligned myself with is that our body has these chakras, right? I think there's seven of them, right? And seven the main ones, yeah. Yeah, and, the, and that the universe in of itself mirrors that sort of like as a copy, like there's seven chakras, if you will, within the universal advancement of our of our knowing. And that as we progress through each of the chakras on this plane that we're in now, that's our higher learning, if you will. And then ultimately there's like some final destination, I'm assuming, right? I'm mean, just traveling perpetually. But where mm -hmm. I'm going with the question is, if we're perpetually in a state of knowing and growing and evolving here on this planet and our lives come to an end abruptly for whatever reason, what happens to us at that point? Are we given a choice to come back again and recreate ourselves in this physical world on earth? Or do we get to go to our own opus, if you will? Like what's the, what does that look like? Is it, it you said it's different for everyone, but what exactly does that look like in your terms? Well, again, I, you know, I, I can't really say in my terms, I believe that it depends on your soul level and you do sit with your, your guidance, the people you work with, your teachers, that type of thing. If you, you know, if you have a lot of soul knowledge, you may not need, need to even do anything like that very, you know, on a, um, a deep level. But yeah, you do. I do believe that it's all a choice, that we have a choice. We live in the universe of free will. I know there are theories out there about the soul trap and things like that, that we don't really have a choice or that we're manipulated to come back onto earth. But, you know, and who, who knows if it's right or wrong. I feel in the work I do with soul retrieval, soul aspect retrieval, because Yeshua worked with me on that 20 years ago to help me bring in fragmented aspects of myself, which needed to be healed very badly, that we do come back to do that type of work. We do choose to reincarnate, to heal and help us move up in on the... Um, the spectrum like you're talking about the uh, experience spectrum and mm -hmm. until we remember that who we really are and what we really are and what it's all about love and kindness and treating each other 
and the golden rule, treating each other the way we would want to be treated, just like Jesus taught and the masters taught. So, and yeah, as far as the mechanics of it, I believe that people are met by their loved ones. As long as they, they, someone doesn't have something traumatic that's keeping their attention on the earth plane like a ghost, that yes, as long as we, that's why I say the more we know about the afterlife, the more we know how to die, the easier our transition will be. Because in Western society, I've learned over the last 20 or 70 years of my life, basically, that we're not really taught how to die in our yeah. culture. Yeah, that is interesting. We're, we're, we're taught that death is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're, yeah. We're, we try to prolong our life here on this planet in every way possible. I used yeah. to have a, I, I have a markedly different perspective of death today than I did even 10 years ago. And, and yeah. that's just for my own, uh, my own search and discovery of what I've been trying to figure out, you know, podcasts like this or books that I read and whatnot. But I guess where I struggle with it all is not really the struggle is not the right word. I guess really what I struggle if I'm just going to be rudimentary about it is I don't really understand the point of everything and, and why are certain people like yourself chosen to have this experience and others are not, or does everybody have this? I guess I don't really know because some people don't come back from near death. Some people do physically die mm-hmm. and where, where do they go when they physically die versus why were you and people like you who have also had these similar type of experiences chosen not to physically die? Why were you returned? And I want to go back to, so you're on Opus with your mate or Jesus or whomever, or all of the, all of the same at this point, right? And you're at that point when you said, okay, it's now it's time to go back and finish your work. Mm-hmm. So you just like that, that was it. You had the experience there and then you were sent back to earth and then you recovered. Yeah. Kind of like that. <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with it. I don't see anything wrong with it either. I find it absolutely <laughs> marvelous. This is why I wanted to talk to you. It's just, I'm fascinated yeah. by it. So you had been run over, you'd been put, you, you fell out of a moving bus, you hit the pavement, you were run over by the trailer of the bus. Physically, when you were returned, was there anything wrong with you? Like, were you healed and just ready to go bounce right back into life? Well, no, no. I mean, I, they did take me to the hospital. Now they put me on a, on a stretcher and, um, you know, put me on the neck stabilizer, the spine, yeah, yeah. spine stabilizer. And But uh, they took x-rays and everything and nothing was broken. I didn't even have a concussion and my hair was falling out. The the medical team la- joked with me and told me I have tire tracks across my head that, you know, oh, look, she's got tire tracks, <laughs> you know, joking. I was conscious. Yeah. And um, I did suffer back, um, extensive back uh, injuries. However, they were mostly ligament and muscle type of injuries and my, my neck and head. I do have a, a bit of a wobble kind of thing. But I have road rash on my legs because we were in shorts and stuff. And but I recovered. I was off work a couple of months because I had intense pain in my back. I could barely move. And I, I was only able to sleep on my back for two years. I couldn't lay on my side. But it could have been a lot worse. I know that. And, um, well... I could have been dead. You so, could have stayed dead. So I could have stayed dead. <laughs> so, so, and I know, I know we only slated for an hour, but I have so many questions here and I, I don't even know where to begin with this. So back to my question, I asked a few seconds ago, why were you chosen to come back? 
Is there any understanding around that or, and why are others not like I've had people in my life that have not come back from injuries and death and have just sort of moved on. Oh yeah. No, I totally understand that. And I don't believe that I was chosen. I believe that I actually, my soul chose it. It was something I chose. And I can't say why people don't come back. You know, um, I wish we knew the answers to that, but we really don't um, until maybe we are able to talk to them on the other side. But yeah, I believe that it was something my soul chose. And Yeshua, he knew that that my soul, he knows my soul. God knows our soul or higher self knows our soul better than we do here. We don't have the capacity unless we work really, really hard on it to know everything about our, you know, our total existence, because this is just a tiny part of it and um, of our soul's existence. And so I, I do believe that he knew that and he knew that I would be probably upset if he didn't help me make that decision to come back because I wanted to finish this up. I knew that we were moving into a big shift on this planet and, and that was something, and I didn't finish telling you about the one when I was nine because he also, he met me first in that near death experience and actually told me at that time that I didn't need to come back. He said, you've suffered enough child, my child, you don't need to go back. And I said, but I want to go back because I'm not finished. <laughs> so it was very different in 2001 <laughs> where I had lived a life where I'm like, okay, I'm done, you know, type of thing. And so he knew that I would be pretty upset with him or myself if I didn't come back and finish what I needed to finish, which was to heal my first and foremost, my soul aspects so that I could help heal my ancestry and heal those around me and, um, and do whatever I needed to do while I was here and the work I do. Um, you know, we all have our jobs. I just see this as a job. It's a, you know, a mission kind of thing here. And I wasn't finished. I had just started waking up. I just, I had just started having out of my experience experiences on a conscious level. And I had just started my soul journey. I still had so much more that I needed to do and needed to learn about myself and about, you know, our soul journey in, in general. And all the learning that you've done since you've been back, and this was, you said 2001. Yeah. So 20, 20, 20 some years have gone by. What have you learned in the, in the time that you've been back about yourself and how have you healed that? What is it that you've healed? Well, there's too much to even talk about in, in this little time, but can you, you know, encapsulate that? Like basically what, what yeah. I've learned is that we are light and love in nature and we are here to exp have experience that we are infinite and that we, this is just one part, a small part of our journey. We're so much more than we could even imagine when we look at ourselves from our soul level, from our higher self level. We're so much more. And also that we're moving into a really, really amazing time on this planet. Humanity is. So I feel like it's an honor to be here. And I'm excited to be here. I love this planet. And when I, whew, I'm feeling it, and when I connect with her on a daily basis, I'm so grateful that I'm here and I can do whatever little bit in my world that I can do to help, help her move into, um, 
the choice she made to move into the higher frequencies and so that we can move with her. She's, I understand that she's waited for us. She being the planet. The planet, yeah. I, I want to talk about that for a minute, if you don't mind, because I'd love your, your take on it. There's a lot of bullshit going on right now. Is that part of the transcendence, if you will? You keep talking about we're moving into this new phase. Is the moving into the new phase happening because... Sorry, let me rephrase that. Are the things that are happening on this planet, geopolitically, nationally, internationally, diseases, wars, whatever's happening out in Hawaii, for example, right now, it's like there's mm -hmm. thousands of conspiracy theories going around. Most of these conspiracy theories in the last three years have turned out to be not conspiracy theories. They, they've turned out to be true. Mm -hmm. Is are the, are the crazy things that are happening on this planet a, a necessary evil, if you will, in order to prepare prepare the planet itself like is the is the planet making these things happen in her infinite wisdom because it's the only way to wake people up to prepare them for the next level i guess is that the best way to answer that question or what's your interpretation of all this craziness that's happening then let me, let me try it that way yeah i don't believe it's the planet doing it the planet is doing what she's doing she's moving up in frequency she's healing and as she heals she as we heal because we, um, there's been so much light being bombarded on this planet for the last 30 years or more that we have to heal. We step is coming up and that's why a lot of people are leaving the planet as well as it's difficult for them. And so as we go through our dark night of the soul per, on a personal level and we bring stuff up and we uncover our shadows and heal our shadows, then the collective is doing the same thing. And so everything that's happening on the planet that seems to be negative is actually a, what I understand is actually a detox. Basically our shadows are being brought to the surface because there's so much light that's being shown on humanity and on from the higher, you know, from the, uh, the sun for one thing and the, and the higher beings that are sending as much light as possible as we can handle. So everything we're bringing it back into balance because it's been, too negatively our humanity has been too negatively skewed i guess you could say with um with all the stuff that we have the corruption and uh you know whatever you want to think of that's in the on the negative side of humanity has been hidden for so long and now it's coming to the surface because it's not anything new what's happening isn't new it's just that it's being uncovered and shown now and so as we move through a, our kundalini and our dark night of the soul, or kundalini, as we're moving through our chakras and healing our chakras, so is the planet. And we are part of that. And what we do on a personal level only extends out. And so that's what I'm, that's how I understand it. And that's the only thing that makes any sense to me. I think I understood you. How does one respond to? Like I'm a, I'm a really curious person. I try to be a good human. I try to do unto mm -hmm. others as I would have done unto myself. I try to be kind to others. I try to run a moral life. I try to run a conscientious life. I try to spread the truth of what I uncover to be truth in my own context and understanding to other people when I hear about it, which mm -hmm. is one of the reasons I do this podcast and have amazing people like you on so that someone else can be exposed to like a different narrative they might never hear. Mm -hmm. And I struggle personally, if I may, my role on this planet and what it is I'm supposed to be doing and how I'm supposed to be responding. Like just, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to go conspiracy here, but just recently I hear that there's rumblings going on that 
that we're headed for another lockdown and we're headed for more masking and, and more COVID injections and all the nonsense that happened over the last three years. I'm, I'm hearing from my sources that this is about to reappear again. And I'm like, what is my role in that? What is my role? As a, what is all of our roles in order to live on this planet and not be divisive and help other people and work with the collective and find our tribes and all the fancy cliche words that, that are associated with this? What is our role here? Why are we here? What is it we're supposed to be doing? Well, the way I understand it and the way I live my life is I use my intuition to see through the, the bullshit, excuse my language. And, uh, you can be that, a little impolite. Okay. Yeah, that's right. We, that's where we are. And that, and I have to stand in my truth and I have to speak my truth and be my truth. And as far as conspiracy theories go, you don't have to apologize to me. Okay. Because 20 years ago, I was shown what was going to happen with it, with our future. At the time, I didn't understand it, okay? But now that we're living through it, I understand it step by step by step, pretty much, is what I was shown is happening. And so when I see the nefarious way that um, we have been enslaved, pretty much, on, on this planet, humanity has been, and manipulated and traumatized, and tortured and abused, you know, I rejoice <laughs> when anyone stands in their truth, okay, and is able to see through any kind of manipulation. And that's how I live my life, whether, you know, and you could say that everyone's truth is their own, you know, it's, it doesn't matter. But when you stand in your own truth and you don't, I find that you have to listen to your intuition and not what someone else is telling you. It doesn't matter who it is, me. You know, you, whoever, you have to listen to your own tuition. That's what we lost. We lost that trust in our own GPS, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. And that's what's important. And that's where we're moving into is trusting our own intuition and not what MSM is telling us or, you know, or anybody else. It doesn't matter who it is. Trust our own intuition with that. And that's where we need to go. And that keeps our vibration high because keep, if we're in fear, and it's, you know, it's, it's just kind of fear-mongering in my, my book. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a lot of fear-mongering. That's been going on ever since they started the, the news, you know? Well, it's been going on before mainstream media. It's been going on since the beginning of recorded history, like the nefarious yeah. activities of good light versus dark. So I've often wondered, is the nefarious battle between light and dark, a necessary activity as part of the microcosm of the process. Does, it, does that question make sense? Like mm -hmm. if we just lived in a perfect world where nothing went wrong, we wouldn't have any reason to improve upon our person. We wouldn't have any reason to become better versions of ourselves. We wouldn't have any reasons to ascend any chakra levels because we wouldn't have anything that we wouldn't have struggles. So is this planet in your understanding is this planet sort of a, a laboratory, if you will, for people to come here to learn to become a better version of themselves so they can ascend and find their own opus, if you will. And as part of that journey, as part of that struggle and that process, they have to battle this nefarious bullshit that's going on. Like, is that or is or is that just way too complicated to understand? No, I well, I. Yeah, it all is pretty complicated. But once we start diving into our own soul, it, it, it makes sense that, yeah, we do come here to experience that. I mean, I just see it as having a challenge like you enter into a 
a basketball game kind of thing. And that's how our, you know, the higher planes uh, can, or we can look at it from our soul level because we are infinite. And so we're having that, you know, that challenge there and it, um, it hurts, right? We lose sometimes and we win sometimes, but when we're in it, it's, um, you know, it's pretty because of our physical senses and our emotions, our emotional bodies and things like that, we were really in it. We're in it to, you know, deep in it. And so that's the density of this plane. And the idea is as we come here and reincarnate or whatever, we, how many lifetimes it takes to remember that, that this is a learning pra- playground, you know, a schoolyard or something like that in a game, or, you know, some people say a computer game or something like that, a simulation. But I do believe that we choose that so that we can, and then we, and then it, since we live in a realm of duality, and I don't know how many realms there are of, du- of duality that we exist in, there has to be that balance, right? And I, what I believe is moving up into the, and the, are you aware of the law of one teachings? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so that's probably what you're are talking, we talking about. Are talking about the chakras? R- raw, raw, is raw. That what we're talking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they, yeah, so they talk about moving from the third, you know, third density, the yellow chakra or yellow ray up into the fourth mm-hmm. uh, and um, the heart. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so as we move up, it doesn't mean that we aren't going to have challenges. It just means that we're more in balance and there's, and there's not so much hidden because when we move into the heart, there's, you can't hide that like we, like we did in the third density where there was a lot hidden. So we're moving into the heart and, um, it's just more in balance and, and um, there's not so much nefari- nefarious stuff going on in that density because it's of the heart. But it doesn't mean we're not going to have challenges. Based upon what you know, how would you share with me and others who listen to this show and anyone in general, how can we live our best life right now? As everything is unfolding around us the way that it is, how can we best show up? What, what is it we're supposed to be doing right now? If we know truth, do we speak it? Do we resist? Do we join the club? Like what, what, what do we do with all the stuff that's happening right now? Well, from a personal level, I know what, what helps me. Okay. I just know how, um, and everyone has their own journey, right? So I would just say when you wake up in the morning, thank your creator, thank whoever you feel connected to the, that we have to have a connection for your day that you were able to get up in the morning, walk through your day and bless, bless everything, even the challenges, because that's what helps us grow. Bless our challenges, bless, you know, and, and I know it's a horrible thing in Maui and things like that, but as, um, try not to get so caught up in the, that negative feelings about it, the fear and, and stuff like that and the grief, which it, I mean, of course, we can have grief, but we can also bless it. And Paul Selig channels the guides, which is really high vibrational, kind of on the same level as raw. And and he says, "What you bless blesses you, and what you damn damns you." And so I'm like, I, I remember that as I walk through my day. Okay. And and always and Yeshua teaches me all the time: have fun during your day, laugh, dance, sing, have a smile for people be kind, you know, but it's okay. It's okay. If you don't, there's a, you find yourself in a moment of a challenging experience and you, but work through the emotion. And, and I would say what helps me is to get through it as soon as possible. 
instead of letting it um, consume me, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So there's lots of things we can do. Release. <laughs> That's one of my mantras he taught me. Release, release, release. Get things out right away. Be a free, or free excuse me, free-flowing vessel. I try to say free-flowing vessel. Because that's what keeps us uh, from getting stuck in lots of ways in this realm. So, so I'm assuming that if you visited other planets and, and, and that other planets with sentient or evolved life exist, that those sorts of evolved lives could have been on this planet as well. Like if we're visiting other places, other places certainly could have visited us. So sure. as it pertains, if I may just quickly switch gears, and this is probably three more hours of conversation, so you don't have to answer all of it, but this planet in of itself, how did it start based upon your understanding of it? Because we know you mentioned Atlantis at the outset. You know, we mm -hmm. physically know that there have been at least six different versions of, of some sort of sentient life that organized and lived and populated and created on this planet. And, you know, technologically advanced people lived here before. Mm -hmm. Who were they and where did they come from? And 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 so and how does our role within all that fit into it, into the puzzle of this game we're playing? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, that's a broad question, definitely. Well, from what I understand about our galactic history, is that I mean, I don't know, this planet's been around for billions and billions of mm -hmm. years, right? Yeah, who knows before that? I believe that extraterrestrials who we would call maybe the um, reptilian beings that came from that, you know, we're going back to galactic wars here, infiltrated the planet that I do believe they're indigenous peoples. Now, where did they come from? Primordial. I, I, I believe this planet was probably a water planet at one point. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's what, 70% covered for, with water now. Absolutely. Yeah. So I do have that. And maybe that's where I went. Who knows? You know what I mean? I don't know. Maybe I went back in time <laughs> i don't know i wish i had all these answers uh, so who knows uh, where um how this how we got on this planet i 20 years ago i remember being with some people and, and um talking about the planet being inhabited by different star seas or different star beings and they looked at me like i had three heads so you know that was a conversation back then now you can talk about it a little bit better but i do believe that who's ever on the planet has been um has come most people on the planet have come from other planetary systems i believe that earth may put out a call and a lot of us are here to do what we can do and like you were saying earlier when you said, you know, what is my purpose here or something like that, I get that a lot. And and I always get from guidance is you're doing it. This is your purpose right here. Whatever you're doing at that moment, that's it. Trust that. And the rest opens. And every moment is is a blessing. Every moment is a purpose, right? So um, I believe there's a lot of people on this planet that are here for a big reason, a very big reason. And waking up to that is um, part of the process. I need to um, come out to Oregon and just spend a day with you. I have so many questions that I we're just we don't obviously have the time to to cover today. But wow, you've given me a lot of things to consider and think about. I really appreciate you you coming on and having this conversation with me. Um, oh, thank you. I'm trying to be I'm trying to be respectful of your time. I could just keep going for a couple more hours. So, well, I have a little bit more time. 
Yeah, I, I really want to dive into I really want to dive into the planetary galactics and and the wars and the origins of life and all those things with you because I had a I had a couple of guests on in the last few years. Uh, Matt Lacroix is one of them, and he really opened my eyes. To, we did a show on ten things you ten things about planet Earth that you don't know about, and they were all about aliens seeding us, and we were slaves for them, and all the prior civilizations that lived before us, and. I'm just completely flabbergasted by all of it. And it, all of it make, it's the only theories that I've ever heard that actually make real sense. You know, like, the Anunnaki. Yeah. The Anunnaki and like all of it, the, the, the Gigi and all the people. And then the war between the two brothers, I think mm -hmm. Inlil and Anu, I think they're the name, all those different things. And, and, Inky. and you know, yeah, Inky. Yeah. And it's the only theories I've ever actually heard that make any sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so, so I guess my, my, I, my question is, it sounds like we're on the same page. We believe the same thing. Are those people that seeded this planet, Are they? do you feel that they're still involved in some of the stuff that's going on today and actually manipulating and controlling how things unfold right now? Is that your belief or do you feel something else is in, 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 involved? I believe they had, they were uh, in Lil, uh, who I believe is the, the negative side of it. Okay. That's my um, feeling in and Inky's the other, and Inky's the brother, the other. Inky's the, the a scientist. Side. Yeah, Inky's uh -huh. a scientist, and wanted to be help us to evolve spiritually, and that's what the war was all about between them, because Enlil wanted to keep us as slaves, and um, and didn't want us to to evolve. He wanted us to be obeying all the time and have that in our DNA. When capped off our DNA, he did cap off our DNA. The yeah, we, and we actually know that to be true. Like that, scientifically, right. we know that our telomeres—is is that right. the right term? Mm -hmm. Were capped at some point in our history about two hundred thousand years ago. We can tell. Um, so that's a fact. That's not some conspiracy theory. That's mm -hmm. not. That's not Sharon going off on planet Opus being <laughs> cuckoo about it. For anyone listening, like <laughs> we know for a fact that our DNA was genetically modified around two hundred thousand years ago. You can see it in, in any DNA record today. So that's the actual fact. And that modification that you're referencing, sorry, I just want to clarify right. for people who are like, you guys are going way off the deep end here. That modification is a restrictive modification, right? It sort of disables us from living longer, for mm -hmm. example, because like, mm -hmm. we know humans used to live for thousands of years, like or whoever those people were right. lived for thousands of years. It also in, it restricts us from sort of like telepathy and all the like, beyond linear thinking type of, of constructs, correct? Like that's your understanding of it? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I believe that the years is 120 was the cap, 120 years that we wouldn't live past 120 years Yeah, was the cap. Yeah, because it's hard to grow spiritually and, and learn as much as you can within, you know, a small amount of time that we do live on, on the planet in these bodies. So yeah, I, I believe that. I, it's, it's in my, it's in our cell memory. That's why it makes sense mm -hmm. because we are products of, um, of, you know, the human being, the human body is our products of, uh, of what they, what they created. And we I also understand that the human body, human DNA has 22 other star seeds, star beings within our DNA. Yeah, you said it's in our cellular structure. Then that's why it makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes uh, I've had conversations with some people, and I, I don't know that it's in everybody's DNA 
I heard Lee, I read a quote from Leonardo da Vinci one time. He said, there are, there are three types of people that live on this planet right now. Those that see and are aware, and I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. those that only see and, and are aware once they're told, and those that will never see. And I've always like sort of, I've always sort of aligned myself with that because you'll have conversations with some people and you're just like, how can I feel the way I feel having all the same information that you could potentially have, but my opinion about something is completely different than yours. And so I've never really understood that. Like why, why are some people better able to comprehend and learn and know and evolve and other people are just sort of stuck in their tunnel vision? Well, this is the way I see it. And, um, where I've been taught, which makes a lot of sense, is that, you know, this is a schoolyard, okay? This is a school. So some people are first graders, some people are second graders, some people are mm. third graders and fourth graders, okay? I don't think we're much past that here. So a fourth grader or a first grader cannot understand what a fourth grader knows and has experience and can understand and interpret. So someone who d- just cannot get something or in the first level spiritual progress is victimhood so someone who's always in victimhood kind of thing just means that they would be a doesn't have as much experience as someone many lifetimes or whatever they were able to do within their lifetimes to help them grow so it doesn't mean that they're just you know it dumb or anything it just means that they haven't had the experience and they're not on on that uh uh part of their journey where they are able to expand and open up so that things they can see things see through the veil or be able to bring that wisdom in because fourth grade wisdom or knowledge or information is very different than first or second grade information that's how i see it yeah i i think i tend to align with that as well and I'm not, that's not a judgment. I'm not saying I know no. more than anyone. I'm not saying I'm better. No, I, I get I'm, it. I'm probably still at first grade level as a compare in, in relative terms. So, you know, speaking with you, I'm it's, like, I'm definitely on first grade level. <laughs> You're way up here. I'm like, just take me with you. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, but a fourth grader doesn't judge a first grader for being a mm-hmm. first grader, mm-hmm. right? It, yeah. it doesn't matter that the first grader came into school as a first grader. The fourth mm-hmm. grader has just been through first, second, and third grade, you know? And so yeah. um, on a soul level. Mm-hmm. And, I'm gonna you know, have to bring I'm, you back I always on. Always called myself a slurner. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I always call myself a slow learner because I've had men, according to my soul matrix, had you know thousands of lifetimes here to try to or not try to to finally say, okay, what the heck? I'm getting it right this time. <laughs> Meaning we grow, we grow as we go. Is it? Yeah. Is it really possible that we're that? that this planet is that old and has housed civilizations that long? I believe it's possible. Yeah, from my my memory banks tell me, yes. Yeah. But you don't always come back as Sharon. You always come back. Does no. does one yeah. always come back as a, as a whatever the species is, a human? Does one always come back as a whatever you are now? I don't know. Can you come back as an animal? Like, how does that work? I wouldn't say that you come back as an animal. I would say, you. well, I actually have visions. One night I lay down in my bed and right away I'm taken on this journey where I saw myself as from source, a spark of light thought out from, from source to, you know, the, uh, whenever into the human experience or whatever experience we have. Um, and I saw myself as, um, you know, a cell from an amoeba 
I can see this circle of experiencing being an elemental uh, fairy onto a different, you know, a different type of being, uh, so many types of beings to a human um, star being. I saw cataclysmic events happening all the way back from um, being human and seeing all these past lives as a human here, other lifetimes, and um, to going back to source. Seeding a planet, seeding planets as an extraterrestrial. I saw all that. So this went on throughout my night where I was experiencing all of this. And from, you know, a rock to an elemental, to an animal, to any, to a uh, gaseous form, starting out gaseous form. And if you know Dolores Cannon's book, she writes mm -hmm. about this kind of stuff. Or, or I didn't order the book from Dolores Cannon. I actually just got that in the mail last week. Okay. Well, her clients talked about this. I've not, I've not this. read any of her stuff before until recently. Oh, the Cobbler of the Universe um, series? I, I believe that's the, I believe that is what I have, yeah. Okay, yeah, you'll really enjoy it. The first one is The Custodians, which was the one that blew me wide open 20 years ago when I read it. I started reading it, but you know, this whole cycle, because we, we exist in cycles. So, so crazy to me. Well, you have um, really, uh, really intrigued me with this conversation. I need to have you back on. We have more conversations or I'm just going to call you every other week and just ask you all sorts of questions. So. <laughs> Either one works. Yeah. I really, I'll, be, I'll be happy to be back on. I really appreciate it. It's been, um, Thank you. I, I, I could go for hours with you. It's just fascinating stuff. You've had a pretty amazing journey, and I really, really genuinely appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your insights with my audience. And I mean that, like, I would love to stay in touch with you, and then I'd love to have you back on as, as a guest again. It's been phenomenal having you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I, I Yeah, I appreciate an amazing conversation with you as well. And thank you for your your lucid questions. I really appreciate it. Appreciate them. Yeah. Yeah. I had, thank you. You're welcome. I had so many questions. I don't even know if I let you finish half of your answers all the time. I'm like, I'm going to have one more. I just want to get it in as quickly as I can. So, um, you're sweet. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, I wish you all the best. I will be in touch with you for real. And, um, I, we are going to have you back on. I want to explore the origins of things with you a little bit if, if that's something you're interested in having a conversation. Of course. With, so. I, I, I could talk about this stuff all day. Yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing I'm finding, to me. I'm, I'm finding that I can listen to this stuff all day. So, <laughs> Well, you've got some, a lot of knowledge, more than you give yourself credit for. So brilliant. Well, thank you. Thank you for your time. I know you've got busy schedules and lots of other things going on. I mean, congratulations on your upcoming book. When When is that scheduled to, to come out? Next year. Next year. You just aren't talking about near-death experiences. You're a psychic. Mm -hmm. You're a medium. You're doing all sorts mm -hmm. of really cool things on the planet. If people wanted to find you and get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? My website, which is SharonSananda.com, S-H-A-R-O-N-S-A-N-A-N-D-A.com. And, and that'll be in the show notes as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Is, is there, sorry, I just have to ask, is there some sort of um, reasoning behind the three names that you have? Is there, is that an alien name that was given to you when you came from the afterlife? Did, what is there, is that just something, a remarry? What is that? That, Sanana Kumara is a name uh, that Christ Yeshua has in the higher planes, what he is known mm. by in the higher planes. And so when we worked intensely together, while we were, we still do, but where I was working in the beginning intensely with him and I was going through my quickening, through my levels of healing, I remembered that name. It, so it was something that I earned, definitely, and remembered. 
And uh, what he let me know was that name is recognized all through all the ways through the frequencies to the Godhead. I knew there was something behind it. I didn't know what it was, but I knew there was something. I just had some sort of weird intuition that there was something that was gifted you with that name. Yes. Yeah. And it was, it was earned. But uh, it, what it, the meaning to me is um, Sharon is the feminine, Sananda is the masculine, Kamara is of, of source, of God, of the all that is. Simply fantastic. Amazing. Thank you, Sharon. I really appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank you, Devo. I'll, Thank I'll you. see you soon. Have it's a wonderful day. All right. You too. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, as we wrap up today's episode of A Little Impolite, I, I genuinely want to express uh, my deep gratitude to Sharon Sananda Kumara. I hope I said that correctly. Um, her willingness to dive deep into her experiences and to share some very intimate and personal insights about the afterlife has has been enlightening as an understatement and deeply moving for me. Like I, I was honestly getting goosebumps on some of the stuff that she was saying in the show. Um, and I apologize for my <laughs> ubiquitous questions. I couldn't help myself. I'm like, shit, I didn't let her finish. I need to get to the next question. So I am definitely, uh, Melissa, when you play this back, I want her back on the show. I want to explore some more things with her if she would uh, so grant us. Anyhow, a heartfelt thank you to my production team, uh, Fernando and Melissa, for putting the show together, uh, making this podcast and this episode possible. And for all of our listeners who join us on this journey each week, I really appreciate you devoting your time to me. I know you have choices when it comes to podcasts, several million now. And so I'm honored that you would spend an hour or so, in this case, an hour and a half with me today to listen to new perspectives and fresh curiosities, and hopefully maybe even a few answers to your most profound questions. Uh, I know I certainly have learned that along this little impolite journey. I'd also like to express our appreciation and gratitude to our sponsors who helped make this show possible, Fusion Creative. And so thank you for that. Until next time, remain inquisitive, embrace the unknown, never, ever shy away from asking those impolite questions because the only stupid question is the ones you don't ask. See you on the next episode, and have a fantastic and blessed day. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Your feedback helps us grow and continue to bring you thought-provoking conversations with amazing people. To stay updated on our latest episodes and join the Little Impolite community, be sure to follow us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where we share news, updates, and even some behind-the-scenes content. For all of our episodes, show notes, and exclusive content, visit our website at alittleimpolite.com. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to A Little Impolite on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Once again, thank you for tuning in. I'm Devo, and I look forward to having you join us for the next thought-provoking conversation on A Little Impolite. Until then, take care and stay curious. <laughs>